0: Welcome, my fellow nerds, geeks, dweebs, and freaks to Geeks, So to Speak, the podcast celebrates your inner geek at least once a week. My name is Shoff, and I'm your host today. You're joining us today for episode 5, which is going to be the darkest episode yet. Of course, I'm talking about The Dark Tower, which just premiered in theaters this past Friday, and another recent movie release, this one in Blu-ray, after 24 years of VHS obscurity, I'm talking about Mask of the Phantasm, a Batman movie from the 1993 animated series. Thank you so much for listening in. All right, so for geek, so to speak, today our episode five is going to start with a discussion regarding the Dark Tower. And I have the Resident Geek of the Week for the Dark Tower. I've got my dear friend, Tony, with us today over the phone. Tony, how you doing? Doing great.
1: Doing great. Thanks for
0: asking. <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show with us today. That's awesome. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> so, uh, with this particular book series, from what I understand, you just recently finished reading, is it eight books in total? Is that correct? I believe it's seven books. Oh, seven don't, books. Okay. Don't
1: call me on that necessarily. I just, I just go through and read.
0: now are you an avid reader to begin with like whether it's this book or another book do you have a genre that you kind of seek out or you just kind of you love to pick up any book and just go ahead and read it cover to
1: cover definitely an avid reader um typically i I like to stick with kind of sci-fi fantasy type books i've been a lifelong fan of stephen king so i always like to pick up a lot of his stuff especially his earlier works
0: oh okay so other than the dark tower series what would you say is one of your favorite stephen king novels yeah, that's a tough one <laughs> i'm gonna make you choose oh, that's gonna a, be hard
1: yeah it's huge it, it comes to mind it's obviously a very popular one the tommy knockers was good pet cemetery i think was the scariest one i've read of his but really everything i've picked up from him has been good in some way his earlier stuff always good his bachman books were good rage was a, a great book
0: all right now pet cemetery now i i've never as far as like reading any of Stephen King's stuff, I'm actually, I have to say, I'm a little bit scared to read any of Stephen King's books because they're just heavy enough to be weapons in their own right. And <laughs> so like, when I see the, the size of those books, it's always a little bit intimidating for me to take on that kind of a project of reading one of his novels. Although he's such a, a well-established and, and appreciated author, I feel like I'm missing out. I guess, I guess you would have to agree with that. I
1: would. I have to
0: agree with that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, It is about to come out in theaters. I think what, maybe like a month from now or less. Will you check that I, out in the theaters?
1: I may check that one out in theaters. It, it looks good. It definitely looks good. I'm always wary about any book adaptation put on film. Cause they they tend to fall short. And the previous It movie fell short.
0: Okay. It looks very scary. I have to say, even the trailers, just two minutes of footage from the from the film has me pretty much freaked out. But then again, clowns always have me freaked out.
1: <laughs> That's a creepy clown in that story, for sure.
0: <laughs> now, I think one of the coolest things about Stephen King, and this is just kind of what I've learned along the way, is that in many ways, his novels sort of uh, they exist within the same, not necessarily the same universe, but the same nexus of universes. Like they, they all sort of have overlap. That there's an homage or a cameo from a different book or a different story that will appear um, in in the book you're reading, or maybe even Stephen King himself is a character or a voice within the books. Is that is that what you've encountered?
1: Uh, definitely does. I mean, he he's almost created his own parallel universe to where it's, it's almost. There's just a few little different tweets he throws in there, and then he's, he builds his stories within this little parallel universe he's created, so that there is able to be a little bit of overlap between different stories, and the Dark Tower really is the, the nexus of all of that.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of what I got from it, from it too, the fact that the Dark Tower sort of sits at the center of this multiverse, and all of these other universes sort of coexist within the same... Uh, fabric of that is really interesting to me and one thing i really like about the movie which i just saw on uh, uh this past uh, saturday morning and this doesn't necessarily spoil anything but there's a lot of, of real brief easter eggs for all of the the avid stephen king movie and book lovers like there's tons and i, I as far as i would only probably be able to speak to a couple of them that i personally recognized. But I know after reading some of the articles that I saw online that there's probably at least 8 to 10 different Stephen King book or movie properties that are are highlighted or referenced or cameoed somewhere in the, the movie itself, which I thought was so cool.
1: I, I can believe that. Yeah, I, said I I haven't seen it yet. I, I've, I've heard the same thing. There are a lot of little tidbits that only people who have read the books are really going to be able to pick up on.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's... it's a. Uh, For you having all the vast experience with Stephen King, you're probably just going to be like loving every second of it because uh, there's going to be so much like so many tasty little gems for you to just take a bite out of. (laughs) So
1: I I uh, hope so. I've got mixed feelings going into it, and I will see it eventually. Okay, so going in with a little bit of skepticism.
0: Yeah, well, that's fair because I mean you you've invested a, a a fair amount of time in this book series. How long would you say it took? to get through all of the books uh, in the Dark Tower series.
1: So with that, um, if I don't count time waiting for books to come available at the library, I'm going ahead and my local library rather than purchasing the books this time around. Start to finish, I probably wouldn't have read through them within, say, a couple of months.
0: Okay, all right. So you could, you could have gotten through, theoretically, all of the Dark Tower series in about a year or less.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, all yeah, right. Yeah, definitely do you have a favorite reading a couple hours a day okay do you have a favorite of the books uh within the series that you've read like one that just stands out for you
1: you know really the first one is definitely my favorite of all of them just that that initial introduction to Roland the gunslinger and and the world he lives in I, i really think that was the best one out of all of them by far
0: see that's the one i started of course and i i think i only got maybe 30 to 40 pages in and maybe it was just the style of Stephen King's writing that I just wasn't used to or something but there wasn't I didn't feel like there was enough to grab me into the story because it just seemed like it was this uh, clearly gunslinger clearly he's uh you know the main protagonist of the story but he's just kind of wandering aimlessly through this desert landscape and he's meeting these people who are talking weird I just kind of felt a little bit lost. And maybe that was the intention of the author, since they're you're kind of lost in the desert right along with the main character. What was it about the series that really grabbed you? It's a tough one. It, I like the, the sort of mix of Western and fantasy that
1: the whole thing is built upon. That, that's kind of a cool idea, this you know, gunslinger, with these big six-shooters. But then they've got this technology that's more advanced than we have, but it's run down and ancient by the time the story takes place. Okay.
0: Okay. The, the characters are fun, but I, I'm more into books for just the, the kind of cool,
1: cool stories and cool uh, worlds that are created within the story. I dig that it. The characters get to interact in.
0: Now, since I haven't read the books and you have, I'm going to rely on you for this. But at, at the end of this most recent book, which is actually titled The Dark Tower, it, it's technically considered, uh, let's see, the seventh book uh, in this series. Okay. Um, what how does it end like what 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 le- case cuz from what i understand this movie that just came out is supposed to be a sequel to the books so how does the the seventh book end uh, for for our hero all right
1: but well, before i answer that the answer could spoil the books for anyone who hasn't read them yet it means to okay so that, i don't that... know that i want to put a spoiler out there <laughs> so i guess to, to say how it ends without spoiling it necessarily i I simply want to say that he he gets to the dark tower i don't know if i want to go further than that okay all
0: right that's interesting that's
1: a huge spoiler
0: no that's okay that's interesting because i I will say this that uh with a a, a movie technically starting off at a point at which anybody in the audience who hasn't read the books is going to go into this movie hoping to be entertained you have to wonder can they make a movie that can stand alone And not rely on all of this vast lore built in seven books and i actually felt after seeing the movie walking away i had a lot of questions i definitely felt like they had created an an interesting universe one that i was now actually more intrigued to want to read the books to further understand but i didn't think that standing alone that it wasn't that they explained enough for somebody as cold as i was going into it to be able to fully understand what was happening. And uh, and I think that was probably one of the main reasons why this movie is doing so poorly in the box office. It's like ranked uh, 18% on the Rotten Tomato meter, uh, which a lot of people do really trust. And I hate to say it, but oftentimes <laughs> it's pretty right. So, uh, so that's unfortunate. I did like the movie. I- I'm not going to say I didn't like it, but I, I definitely felt like it required having that additional knowledge that you would only have from the books
1: that that may be true Um, just from from what i've read about it 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 did it didn't explain very well a lot of the lore behind it so if you haven't read the books you'd be a little bit lost another thing i understand about it is if you
0: No, that's fair. I, I completely agree. I think um, I, I being introduced to... Well, here, here's the weird part, because I'm pretty sure in in the book The Gunslinger, doesn't, doesn't The Gunslinger meet the boy pretty early on in that story?
1: He does, yeah. He, he meets up with Jake Chambers pretty early in the story.
0: See, and that's where... And I don't mean to interrupt you, but that's the part that no, kind okay. of... That's the part that confuses me, because in this book... Movie, which is supposed to be a sequel, we see that meetup for the first time. And so it's like, it's almost as if they're combining aspects of all of the books that occurred previously to sort of create the universe, I guess. But what really sucks about the movie is it's only 90 minutes long. Not even remotely long enough to sort of capture the essence of what, seven books and 4,200 pages? of of text to to convey the same thing i think it's just crazy to me so uh i think that that's where the movie suffers now okay uh, you tell me this when you knew there was going to be a movie made which technically there's been a a concept of this movie for about 10 years now uh, but when you when you had first heard about this movie or during that time and you were starting to get a picture in your head or maybe even while you were reading getting a picture in your head of these main characters roland the gunslinger and the man in black was there anybody uh, like a uh, Hollywood celebrity wise that you kind of were putting as a face to the name, somebody that was sort of acting as that avatar of, of the character you were, you were reading about?
1: Nobody really specific came to mind for that. You know, in my mind, I really pictured someone tall, scruffy, somewhat, somewhat quiet and reserved type actor. So no, no names really came to mind, um, I guess, to, uh, since we're we're geeking out a little bit, a, a younger Harrison Ford type type actor Okay, I like would that fit that role fairly well. Okay,
0: okay, so a scoundrel kind of looking dude, like um he's gotta be a little rough around the edges.
1: Right, right. I mean, you know, the character role and not only is he, he a gunslinger, but he's in a sense he's royalty, so he's gotta be kind of a scoundrel, but he's gotta be able to interact within multiple different environments and situations. He's also very single-minded and very focused on his goal and doesn't get distracted very easily
0: all right and and men in black who would you say not
1: matthew mcconaughey <laughs> <laughs> all right
0: all right. all More right in a million years. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm not good with actor names the i'm thinking
1: the the villain who was uh, the guy who played the villain in no country for old men
0: Okay. Um level. I can't think of what his name is. Is it Javier Bardem?
1: I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. I could so, somewhat along those lines. Maybe not him specifically, but just that that type of character. That sure. Of just Yeah.
0: Yeah. When I saw the movie, I felt like Matthew McConaughey was basically playing an evil version of Matthew McConaughey. Like it didn't there was <laughs> it didn't feel like there was any amount of like character backstory or that he was creating something there it just looked like he was really enjoying being a bad guy and it would be like if we met Matt on the street and he was just being nasty to people and and pushing people over and telling them to stop breathing and everything it's just it didn't work for me now the other big controversy of course is the casting of edris alba as the gunslinger and i have to say because I didn't have the preconceived notion of the gunslinger, I didn't understand why there was so much political turmoil surrounding his casting. Yes, uh, he's not a white guy, but what does that matter in the grand scheme of the story, truly? It doesn't seem to matter at all. And uh, I think Idris Elba was awesome as the gunslinger, and I hope that when you see it that you feel the same way, because um, I thought that he really brought it. I think he helped carry the story along, and he has this... He always, every character he plays, he always has this very stoic, regal quality. And I think that knowing that the gunslinger has this sort of medieval um, backstory of sort of being sort of like a knight of the round table, in essence, having that King Arthur lore uh, surrounding him. I thought he really brought it. He was, he was very interesting, very thought-provoking, and he brought a very honest performance. And so I think he, I think people were hopefully pleasantly surprised by, anybody who had issues with his casting was pleasantly surprised by it. But I know that the, the, the book itself was very, very specific on the description of the character, and I think that's where a lot of people
1: got hung up. They were like,
0: oh, well, he doesn't have blue eyes, or he doesn't have um, long, shaggy hair or something.
1: To that point, that that's a good point you bring up, and and I got to admit I was I was surprised when I found out he was being cast, but I, I wasn't bothered by it at all. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think I think he fits very well in the role. that's um, okay, funny enough, I just watched Prometheus again recently, and he has a role in that movie. Yes, he does. And and I was watching that kind of with the mind of how do I feel that in role in the gunslinger, and, and you can see it. You can you can see that he captures that character. I'm excited about seeing that's that's one of the draws that has me saying I still want to see that movie Um, As far as him being black instead of white Stephen King said it best. He never says what color Roland is in the books He never said Roland was white. He never said he was black and as I was reading through the books recently I was keeping an eye out for that and I don't recall any description that says what color his skin is. Yes, he has blue eyes that doesn't mean he has white skin, necessarily. We're dealing with a fictional fantasy universe here. So, I, I you know, the people who, who are the naysayers and think that that's a bad casting choice, you know, I, I think they just need to be more open-minded and not try to limit a character to the color of his skin, but look at the, the content of the, the actor's character and how he can bring that character to life. And I think Iders Elba. Was a really good casting choice in this
0: sense. Totally agree. Totally agree with you. Well, all right, Tony. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today and chatting it up with me about Dark Tower series. Based on what you you shared, I definitely feel like it's something I want to. Now that I've even seen the movie, I have all of this to base my decision of maybe spending some time and really investing into this book series and and getting to know these characters because they're not going anywhere we've still got a tv series that they have intentions to have come out potentially in 2018 and that's supposed to be the sequel to or i'm sorry it's supposed to be a prequel to the the current movie that's out and then they're going to have another two movies that will also have another tv season uh, sort of sprinkled in between those movies as well. So it's going to be a lot of back-and-forth, cross-medium technology that will help keep this uh, universe alive and well for us to be visually enjoying. So. Well, it's been my pleasure. and I could sit here and talk to you about the books for another 30 minutes or more. But I know we don't have time, but I, I highly recommend
1: go out and read the books. They're interesting in a lot of unique ways that you'll never come across in any other book. Leave it at that. Definitely go out, read them, check them out. It's one of the best series I've ever read by far.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, there we go. We have Tony's uh, geek stamp of approval. So, uh, Tony, have yourself a great rest of the day and we'll talk to you soon. You too, Jimmy. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, you guys just got the scoop on the Dark Tower book series. I learned a lot i'm excited i'm actually going to definitely check out this book series now as soon as i finish ready player one which is what i'm currently reading and will be the subject of a future geek so to speak episode a few things i wanted to touch on now that um i have um tony off the line because i didn't want to spoil the movie for him (laughs) since he does have plans to see it but this is your chance as well you can hit pause go check out the movie and then be sure to uh, uh replay and enjoy the rest of this podcast but um, a few things I want to touch on on the movie, some questions that I had going away from it was, first of all, what? who is the Crimson King? There is references multiple times to this Crimson King. All hail the Crimson King. Now, the only guess I can think of is that this character is related to the skies. Whenever the Dark Tower is damaged, then all the evil creatures of the world that are trying to get into our world, that Crimson King lives within that void of evil. And maybe perhaps he's the personification of evil. Maybe he's like Satan uh, or some demon, some devil aspect, and he's trying to get in. And I think that's the ultimate battle of good and evil, right? I mean, we see it on uh, Game of Thrones right now. We have, obviously, the human conflict of this king versus that queen versus that queen or whatever. But then we also have the true conflict, the overall conflict, which is good versus evil. Living versus the dead. And I think that Dark Tower seems to also resemble that in some way shape or form which is kind of exciting so I'm looking forward to that Uh, I definitely felt like to kill off the man in black in this movie I mean where do you go from there I guess he must not have been as big a head honcho as I thought he was I thought he was sort of like the overarching bad guy but my guess is that the Crimson King outranks him and maybe perhaps the man in black reports to him because I don't have the additional information related to dark tower nor do i want to look for it and then be spoiled by the books these are questions i have and i think this would be anything that um someone who hadn't read the books and went to see the movie would be experiencing i did not agree with uh with matthew mcconaughey i love the guy i think he's super fun he's great in in those lincoln commercials you know you gotta drive yourself in a Lincoln. And then he's like, he's like, all right, all right, all right. And he's crying in the that one scene in, in Interstellar. He's like, just because mankind was born here doesn't mean he's supposed to die here. <laughs> he's got some great lines, but he's even got a good line in Dark, The Dark Tower. He says, death always wins. <laughs> death always wins. Oh, man. I don't know what to make of it. But I will say, Idris Elba, awesome Roland. Looking forward to more. Uh, Looking forward to what else he brings to the table. Always enjoy a movie with him, and I hope you guys enjoy Dark Tower. Please check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, You can always comment on Facebook posts, Instagram. Uh, I've got my website up. Uh, You can always email me, but definitely find some way to let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to hear on the show as well. And now a brief look back at the archive of Schaff. Here's his impression of Bane in the famous plane scene during The Dark Knight Rises.
1: Tell me about Bane. Why does he wear the mask? It's a lot of loyalty for a hired gun. Uh, Perhaps he's wondering why someone would shoot a man before throwing him out of a plane. At least you can talk. Who are you? It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. If I pull that off, would you die? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy. For you. Was getting caught part of your plan?
0: Of course. Dr. Pavel refused our offer in favor of yours. We had to find out what he told you. Nothing. I said nothing. Well, congratulations. You got yourself caught. Now, what's the next step in your
1: master plan? Crashing this plane with no survivors.
0: All right, all right, all right. (laughs) We just got done talking about the Dark Tower. Now we're going to switch gears and talk about the Dark Knight. Kevin Conroy's amazing voice. Anyone who is anyone who has seen a Batman animated episode between 1993 and now, has been treated to pretty much, I think, the iconic Batman voice. Seriously, he's so impressive. I had the privilege, the privilege, uh, this past uh, Phoenix Comic Con, I attended a panel, and the panel was comprised of the voice actors for Batman the Animated Series. Specifically, we had... Kevin Conroy as Batman. Lauren Lester as Robin, who also played Nightwing, the voice of Nightwing. And then, of course, Diane Pershing, uh, who was Poison Ivy in the Batman animated series. So these amazing voice actors have been sort of gracing us with with their presence for the past, gosh, what are we talking about? At least 24 years? That's incredible to me. I've been around for... I'm in my mid-30s, so for a good majority of my life, I've been able to enjoy these voice actors. Now, me, myself, I am an aspiring voice actor, and if I could ever achieve what Kevin Conroy has done, where he has become the iconic voice of Batman, it's he's inseparable. Him and Batman, it's like Mark Hamill uh, and uh, Joker, you cannot have those those characters without those two anytime you don't have it you can tell it seems weird it doesn't make sense it doesn't flow you know that something's different something's off you don't have your people and that's important so this movie uh mask of the phantasm brings together uh kevin conroy and mark hamill again which we love i love having both of those two in the movies together it also brings together some other voice actors who have played characters before we get um uh, a young commissioner gordon we get a young harvey bullock we get of course alfred pennyworth same character from the batman animated series it was so great to have those voices continue and i remember seeing this movie when it first came out in the theaters Uh, i think it was i went to go see it it might have even been a birthday party it was so so much fun it was definitely a movie that we saw and it It was something that I wanted to, I think uh, a friend of mine had picked up on VHS way back in the day. We would watch it at his house all the time. And that was it. I haven't seen it for decades. And to think that 24 years later, I got a chance to own this movie again, watch it again, this time in uh, 1080p, high definition resolution on my big old screen. It was just so cool and then to have kevin conroy's voice i just loved it um one kind of cool thing something i want to direct you guys to is is definitely if you go to screenrant.com which is where i get a lot of really cool uh nerdy geek news if you haven't been to screen rant definitely check it out but they've got an awesome awesome clip of kevin kevin conroy uh on a a podcast i believe it's called talking tunes and it's on the nerdist podcast so uh, Kevin Conroy is a guest, and he's there with Rob Paulson, who's a legendary voice actor, and the two of them are reenacting a scene from the Dark Knight movie, when uh, of course uh, Batman is saying that he can be uh, he can be the person that the police are chasing, that Harvey Dent's name needs to stand for something, and they're going to create this this fake truth that batman killed all those people and it wasn't harvey and harvey was the one hero the one uh protector of gotham and that batman can stand for something i wanted to share a brief clip from it uh, because it's the iconic line from this speech uh and you'll definitely recognize it when you hear it
1: you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain i can do those things because i'm not a hero not like dent I killed those people. That's what I can be.
0: Amazing. So if hearing that clip has you intrigued, maybe you've never seen an episode of, the, of Batman the Animated Series, or maybe you've seen a couple, but it's been a long time, you should definitely pick up Mask of the Phantasm. It's a really unique story. I want to give you just a brief synopsis of it so you know what you're getting yourself into. This particular story follows Batman as he's dealing with a reconciliation with a former lover. So this character of Andrea Beaumont uh, resurfaces back in his life, and the film goes back and forth between flashbacks and then what's happening in that present moment. There's this mysterious vigilante that's going in and attacking all these mobsters, and the story itself is inspired by Batman Year Two, which was a comic book uh, arc that happened uh, way back in the day. Mike W. Barr was the author of that particular comic book, and it featured an original antagonist titled the reaper in this case though they've renamed it the phantasm and the identity of the phantasm is a very cool reveal definitely uh if you're watching closely you'll see it coming but uh, i wouldn't say it's the most unpredictable but it presents a really cool dynamic it also shows a unique side to the joker understanding some of the joker's origins as well and ultimately i think a very interesting and exciting standalone Batman movie. So if you haven't seen it, definitely check that one out too. In fact, many considered this particular Batman movie to be one of the best Batman movies and one of the best animated films of all time. Uh, The only other time that Batman has ever had an animated movie that has debuted in the theaters was The Killing Joke. And The Killing Joke just came out this past year, which I also had a chance to watch. And that was... That was pretty gritty. Um, I, I have the the actual graphic novel and I've read that, and I think they did a pretty faithful adaptation. The themes are much darker in that one, and I'm not a, a huge fan of the killing joke. I think it's it just gets a little too dark to be enjoyable. Um, but Mask of the Phantasm worth checking out for sure. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Please go check out the Dark Tower in theaters. Read some books while you're at it. Check out some Stephen King. See what you think about all of that. If you don't want to use Stephen King to read, then at least use it to hurt someone because these books are so freaking heavy. Uh, definitely get your back claws on a copy of Mask of the Phantasm on Blu-ray. Please let me know what you think. I want to know. Find me on social media through Facebook and Instagram at geek, so to speak, Podcast. Like, follow, share, and definitely pay a visit to my website, which is geeksotospeak.com. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast on iTunes so you don't miss a single second of all of my geek media. Until next time, same geek time, same geek podcast.